Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friend's houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. Another week is here. Maction has begun. And if you like Maction, Adam Burke and I will break that down for you every Tuesday episode. But the big kahuna is here. I don't know why I keep calling you that. I don't either, but when I go to Jersey Mike's, I always get the big kahuna cheesesteak subs. So maybe that's yeah? Why, yeah. All right. That makes sense. There, see, it all all comes together. Matt Humans at Matt Humans 247. Uh, I am at one Tim Murray. Both Matt and I, uh, a little raccoon died this week. We're trying to figure out who's going to win some college basketball games in addition to college football games. But last week, Matt, um, an eight and six week for you with your first class and coach plays. How the first class do compared to coach? Uh, three and two first class, five and four coach. So no difference. A little. Eh. Yeah, you have to pay. Yeah, don't pay the extra to go first class. But what what happened was I decided to go head to head with you, and I got smacked up. Uh, I took the points with A and M. You laid it with Ole Miss. 31-28, the final score. So put that on the board. one nothing, Matt, in our head-to-head showdown. We've only had one head-to-head showdown. Only one. In nine weeks. <laughs> wow. We bet very similarly, though. So I don't know if that leads to entertaining uh, podcast listening for college football fans, that we do bet very similarly, that we agree on a lot of things. I've looked at both our cards, and uh, there are some overlaps and uh, no disagreements uh, but we got a, a an interesting weekend ahead of it. There's, uh, ahead of us, there's no doubt about that. And uh, let's get to it with the main course. The main course. Well, I believe this is the first time, Matt, we've ever had the number one team in the college football playoff rankings face off against the number one team in the AP poll, and that's mm-hmm. what we're getting on Saturday in Athens, Georgia. 
Number three in the first installment of the college football playoff rankings, Tennessee, number one, this game on CBS, 3.30 Eastern kickoff down there between the hedges. And this is a line that is sitting at eight, opened up at Circa on Sunday. And you can always uh, hear the opening lines, uh, lines revealed show with Jonathan Von Tobel at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. Open nine, got down to eight. Has hit seven and a half, but as of time record, has not get anywhere near that touchdown number. And, uh, you know, looking around, different tweets that are out there, BetMGM, uh, VEASAN.com's bet splits with DraftKings. I texted uh, John Murray from the Westgate Superbook just a little while ago. Heavy public action on Tennessee. 90% earlier this week at BetMGM on the Volunteers. 88% at DraftKings. John Murray told me at the Westgate Superbook on Thursday afternoon, two and a half to one ticket count on Tennessee. I'm not saying you blindly play games to fade the public, but I'm curious your thoughts and your breakdown of this Tennessee-Georgia game. Well, first of all, Tennessee kicked my butt last week uh, because I took the points with Kentucky. I did too. And I'm very impressed by what the Vols did to the uh, Wildcats, who were not live dogs in that game last week. So... It's a Tennessee offense that's obviously going to run a fast pace. Hendon Hooker is not making many mistakes, and I think the Vols are going to be able to put points on the board. What I keep hearing is that the Georgia defense is equipped to uh, contain the Tennessee re- receivers. You know, I'm not, not so sure. If, if you go back to the Georgia-Alabama games last year, uh, Bama's receivers were making plenty of big plays against that Georgia secondary. That's true. And I think the Tennessee is going to be able to do the same. Uh but instead of breaking this game down for 10 minutes, <laughs> I, I played... If you want. Well, what, what, I, what I did early in the week was I played Tennessee plus eight and a half. And I did not know... I knew it was going to be a popular dog. I didn't know it would be to this extent. And like you referenced, BetMGM tweeted out yesterday that 90%, 90% of the tickets, 94% of the money nationwide is on Tennessee. I don't like that, Tim. I don't like it. So w- one part of your handicapping is you got to read the betting market. Mm-hmm. And I don't want necessarily to be on a popular dog. So what I've done here is I have played a teaser and a money line parlay with Georgia on it to kind of give me some insurance and maybe a shot at a middle in case this uh, Tennessee bet blows up. I didn't get off the bet entirely, but I did play Georgia on a couple other bets just to win straight up essentially to give myself uh, some sort of mental because I don't want the full exposure on the Tennessee bet. It just doesn't feel like the right thing to do right now. Yeah, it is. It's such a fascinating game, and I always like to point out, you know, read the market. What is the market telling you? Right now it feels like it's begging you to take Tennessee. But the, the, the caveat to that would be this, Matt. It was begging you to take Tennessee a couple weeks ago when they played Alabama. I did. And you did, and they won outright. So, you know, there is, and I've heard people bring this up, in 2019 with LSU, the the odds makers couldn't catch up to LSU, right? You kept kept putting too low of a number. Public came on an LSU, boom, they would win again. They were just Mm -hmm. so prolific offensively. Um, I don't think Tennessee is is that level. And, And, you know, the market is obviously corrected itself to how good Tennessee is. But I want to throw something by you. The Alabama-Tennessee game at Rocky Top, 
Alabama closed as a nine-point favorite. Now, they lost, obviously, sure. uh, that game. Georgia is an eight-point favorite, and they're at home. Mm-hmm. So comparing the two, and I would say that Georgia's a better football team than Alabama. Yeah. Now, Tennessee has obviously proven out that they are a better football team than we thought a couple weeks ago. But I think that's interesting and in, in, in why I would lean Georgia in this spot because the market, some people might think, well, the market hasn't adjusted to Tennessee. It's adjusted oh, yeah. a whole hell of a lot. Sure I does. mean, the look-ahead line in the summer was 12-13 on, uh, in favor of Georgia. Mm-hmm. So... Well, first thing I'll say about that Alabama line is that was a bad number. And, it clearly uh, was. You know, I talked to a couple of uh, very sharp professional bettors that week who made Alabama around a three-point favorite mm-hmm. in that game. But the public hammered Bama. I was over at the Westgate that day, Tim, watching the game with a guy who's, uh, you know, a big bet is not necessarily a sharp bet. I was yeah. over at the, the Westgate Superbook watching that game that day, Alabama-Tennessee. I had Tennessee – and he had Bama, and he had like $5,000 on Bama. He laid the points, and he thought Bama was going to kick their butt. Uh, I, to me, that's, that's public play. Uh, that's a guy who plays a lot of favorites, too. He, he bets big, but he plays a lot of favorites. And there are people out there who, out there who probably believe Georgia's going to uh, kick Tennessee's butt, too. Um, and it might happen. But I, in, that first, in that first game with Tennessee at home, catching more than a touchdown, I felt like you had to take the balls. Uh, you don't have to do it here, but in terms of the matchup and everything, you know, I watched. Uh, I've watched Tennessee basically every game this season. I don't think they're going to be outclassed by Georgia. Hendon Hooker has 21 TD passes and one interception. The guy's completing 71.2 percent of his passes. Uh, Stetson Bennett looked a little shaky last week in the uh, Georgia Florida game. If you watched it. So I don't think the Vols are going to be outclassed, but there's something that just doesn't smell right uh, with this. When the public is pounding an underdog like this, I don't want to have full exposure. I'm, I am going to say the Tennessee plus eight and a half is one of my plays, but I put Georgia out there. I actually played Georgia-Bama money line parlay. I think it was like um, $1,000 would pay off six fifty. Okay. And um, Bama's not going to lose to LSU, but... I need LSU to go, I think, one more win to get over its season win total, too. Uh, but uh, you, you can match Georgia up with something else in a money line parlay if, if you're extremely confident that favorite's going to win. You don't, want, uh, you don't want that second favorite to uh, screw you over and blow your ticket. You know, I'm not 100% confident that Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame. I like Clemson a lot, but not enough to put Clemson on that money line parlay yeah. with uh, Georgia. Yeah, we'll get to that game here in just a little bit. So uh, to sum it up, uh, eight, eight and a half. Uh, I, I don't know if there's any eight and a halfs out there. There might be an eight and a half still out there. Uh, eight where we sit here at Circa, but three thirty Eastern. Uh, is it going to be an official play, Tennessee, for the podcast? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use Tennessee All plus right. eight. You know, I actually when I was on with Mitch and Paul on Tuesday morning, Tennessee plus eight and a half is one of the plays I put out there. I got to stick with it. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say oh, all of a sudden I'm off this game. I am buying insurance. That's why I make it clear here. I, I'm getting insurance on. I did not think that the Vols were going to be as popular as they are. Because when you're seeing numbers like 90-something percent, that's a bad sign. And the line isn't moving really all that <laughs> it's much. moving a half point. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. If it's moving through key numbers, that might be your tell. All right, let's get to Death Valley, a game you alluded to, Alabama Visiting LSU, both of these teams coming off of a bye, so no rest advantage and something that you and I both look for. And a couple of my bets this week are teams that have massive rest advantage. 
playing teams with you know five, six consecutive games, and they're coming off a bye. They're getting healthier. So you look at Alabama at LSU. It'll be a night game, so the benefit there. Uh, Jimmy Ott will be all fired up down there. Baton Rouge probably won't have a shirt on. Um, number six, Alabama in the uh, first college football playoff rankings at number 10, LSU. Um, you know, certainly not a vintage Alabama team, but uh, I want to point something out here that uh, our good friend Chris Felica, he always puts out his nuggets on each game. And on this game, in the last five meetings at LSU, Alabama has allowed a total of 47 points yeah. with two shutouts, 17-0-0-13 and 17. So there you go. And he also pointed out that Brian Kelly went at Notre Dame as a double-digit underdog. He was that he was that eight times, and Notre Dame won one of those games, and that was against Oklahoma in 2012. So the number at 13 and a half, Matt in favor of the Crimson Tide on the road at Death Valley. I think the number is a little bit high here. Uh, obviously, the Alabama defense is not what we propped it up to be in the preseason, Tim. And that was, um, I think, pretty clear when Tennessee lit up the Tide for uh, about 575 yards and uh, 52 points. The, the thing about Jaden Daniels, and I was talking with somebody about this game yesterday, and he said, I don't trust Jaden Daniels. I said, well, huh. I mean, have you watched the last couple of games? He's been fantastic. Yeah, he's been incredible. He's been off the charts. I didn't trust him either until he went to Gainesville and uh, put six touchdowns on the Florida defense. And then look what he did against Ole Miss. You also have to consider this. Brian Kelly is an excellent quarterback coach. And it just takes some time for things to click. And I think Jaden Daniels finally found his groove, found his rhythm and uh, in, the, in the Brian Kelly offense. And... I think the LSU offense has found its identity. Uh, so I would be surprised if the Bama defense shuts down LSU in this game. I think Brian Kelly, Jaden Daniels are going to put some points on the board. Tim, I'm going to split this play uh, a half unit on the over. Mm -hmm. This is what I did. I played LSU plus – I actually haven't bet plus the points yet because I wanted to see if I could get 14. 14, yeah. I mean, you're never going to run to the window or jump on the app saying, i got to get 13 and a half because you might be able to get 14 by game day. So – I'm trying to get 14 on LSU. I'm hoping to. And I, I put another half unit over the total of 58. When LSU went to uh, Florida, that was a 45-35 game. Mm -hmm. 80 points on the board. I could definitely see 70 on the board in this one. Um, let me ask a, a philosophical question here when it comes to, uh, to betting in, uh, in college. Because of the uh -huh. volatility, you know, very rarely would I ever recommend playing a teaser but what about buying? What, <laughs> right. what about buying points? Because you look at LSU at thirteen and a half. Uh, there's one spot in town. I think you could buy that for ten cents. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say on a regular basis, buying points isn't really a profitable endeavor. But right. how often would you say to get it up to from a six and a half to a seven, nine and a half to a ten, thirteen and a half to a fourteen? Will you look at that? That's a great question. I think it's a kind of a personal decision. I'm not going to criticize anybody who wants to buy from six and a half to seven, uh, I'll buy from three and a half to three. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to leave that hook laying out there and be exposed on three and a half, or I'll just play the money line on a three and a half point favorite, you know, instead of buying the hook. If you want to buy from six and a half to seven or from seven and a half to seven or from 13 and a half to four, I'm not going to blame anybody for that. So you get a lot of guys, critics 
Twitter clowns who sit there and take shots at people who mention that on Twitter, but a lot of those guys aren't betting either, okay? They're just the experts who want to tell you how it's done, but they're not actually out there betting either. So do what, do what you want to do, whatever makes you happy. First of all, you're paying also for peace of mind, okay, which means something. Because in a game like this, you say, don't you feel much better when it kicks off if you have 14 than if you have 13 and a half? Or if you're laying three instead of three and a half. If I'm laying three and a half in a game, which I never do, but I did when I was younger and dumber, uh, <laughs> you're on edge the entire game because you're exposed on that three and a half and you're afraid you're going to get burnt by it. And how many times have you been burned by it? Quite a few, probably, right? Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, so. Well, let's get to a game that is currently three and a half. By the way, 10 cents, I think, is fair. You don't want to get to the point where you're paying 20 cents right. you know, for half points. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's the biggest thing, too. When you're playing teasers, especially in the NFL, if you, I mean, there are shops in town that have minus 120. Go to that shop and yeah. play at minus 120. Don't play minus 130, 40, whatever it may be. Speaking of three and a half, we go to South Bend, Indiana. Clemson at Notre Dame, 730 Eastern kickoff on NBC. A total of 44, depending on where you look. It's 43 and a half here at Circa, 44 and a half at Caesars. Consensus 44. Spread pretty much painted three and a half. There is a couple fours out there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fascinating game to me because under normal circumstances, if this was not a team that I've followed and knew as well as Notre Dame, I'd love the dog here. Home dog, you know, popular side seems to be the, the number four ranked team in the country in Clemson. And I do think Clemson has its vulnerabilities. The issue I have here is that Notre Dame has a vulnerable spot. <laughs> And that would be the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Drew Pine, uh, I'm sure he's a great young man. Uh, maybe not so much at playing the quarterback position. And I would say this, his first start against Cal was not very good. But then he went to North Carolina and played really well. Mm-hmm. Came to Vegas, played really well. Since then, Matt, it has been ugly. Whether it be the Stanford game, which is just, you know, makes you want to vomit. Uh, even Syracuse, the game that they won, I thought he was missing a lot of throws. He hit a couple, you know, a big one down the stret, down the seam. I thought he played really poorly against UNLV. So, looking at this game, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. I actually played under 44 and a half, which is available. Couple reasons. I think Notre Dame is going to want to have a similar game plan to what they had against Ohio State, which mm-hmm. was let's play it as slow as possible. I think Ohio- I think Clemson's offense isn't anywhere near Ohio State. Right. I think it's a little as uh, I think Stanford Steve said this on our show, pretty vanilla offensively. Clemson is, um, and I think Notre Dame's going to just be stubborn and try to figure out ways to run the ball on Clemson, which showed some vulnerable aspects against Florida State, giving up over 200 yards. But at the end of the day, I have a hard time looking at a path to a Notre Dame victory outside of turnovers, which Notre Dame does a very poor job of doing. Uh, They got a pick six on the first play last week. Look, I loved the matchup last week, both you and I, against Syracuse. They did exactly what we thought. They'd run it right down their throats, and they did. And they got a couple turnovers, which were key. I I don't see the path here. So I'm curious your thoughts, Clemson at Notre Dame. You hit on a key thing. Last week, the Fighting Irish were playing uh, with the lead the whole time because they got a pick six to open the game, game. and it's uh, kind of a snowball effect, and I was very happy with that because you and I were on the Irish, and that was perfect. They were able to run the ball the entire day on that Syracuse defense. Uh, 56 carries for 246 rushing yards, and uh, you're not going to be able to run the ball like that against the Clemson defense. No. So this is going to be a much different type of game. 
Drew Pine is not going to be able to go 9 for 19 for 116 yards with a pick, and the Irish win this game against Clemson. And the on the other side, DJ Uyunglele. Is that right? That's pretty close. Okay. How, how do you pronounce it? Uh, DJ Uyunglele. Okay. Uyunglele. I might be wrong, too. Okay. DJ <laughs> has played much better. DJ U. He's played much better. I think this is the type of game, if he's struggling, that Dabo will make the quarterback switch and go to Cole Klubnik, and uh, he won't be af- afraid to play the freshman. And I'm okay with that, too. So I think what you have with Clemson, you got a couple quarterback options. With Notre Dame, you got one bad one. Yeah. And the Irish are not going to be able to run the ball over the Clemson defense. To me, that's the key. Uh, Tim, so I don't feel comfortable laying really more than three with Clemson here. I know Brad Powers got the best number. He tweeted that out. Mm-hmm. And uh, smart move by him to lay three with Clemson. I'm going to play Clemson here. I think you, I'm going to have you put me down for money line or something yeah. like that because you're right. You and Stanford Steve said it right. It's a vanilla Clemson offense. I don't feel comfortable laying the points. Of the, the Tigers were lucky to beat Syracuse the previous week. Offense was really struggling in that game. I think this is a, this is the type of game where Clemson's just going to have a little bit more offense and the better defense and finds a way to win a close game. Uh, but I don't think uh, the way Clemson does it is really going to impress a lot of people. But the thing is, I'm not afraid to bet against Notre Dame. And a lot, by the way, the last time these teams played uh, in South Bend, I was on the Irish and mm-hmm. getting the points. You, you remember that game well. Oh, DJ, uh, DJ. Double, double overtime victory. Wild game. I was an, that was an instant classic. Oh, my gosh. How great that game was. Uh, this Notre Dame team, nowhere near as, as good as uh, that one. And uh, that Clemson team was a lot better, too. So Notre Dame has lost home games. Sorry, Tim. It's all right. To Marshall. Yep. To Stanford. Yep. And was lucky to escape against Cal. Mm-hmm. So I can't see Clemson going here to lose this game, but it could happen. Notre Dame 0-4 ATS at home this week, this year. However, they're 3-0 ATS when either an underdog uh, they or uh, or a favorite of less than a touch. Actually, four no ATS in that, in that particular instance. So I think it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people out there who would like to see Clemson lose. Yes, to get knocked out of the playoff picture. I'm not saying I'm one of those people, uh, but I want to see Clemson show up uh, with an impressive performance uh, this week. I haven't really seen that from the Tigers yet. Have you? Have you no. watched the Clemson game yet? Where you're blown away and said. Okay, there it is. That's what I was waiting to see. And I, really. thought, I thought we were going to get it two weeks ago against Syracuse. Their defensive line coach called out their D-line, which is their best part. They got two top 10 you know, NFL prospects right. on that D-line, and it really hasn't been – it's not, what was it, 2019, 2018, the Clemson defensive line was just an absolute yeah. monster, and they won a national championship. It's just not that. Um, and uh, maybe DJU – will uh, we'll get good visions of his performance from 2020. Maybe his best game of his career. I yeah. mean, he oh, yeah. was spectacular. I don't think there's any maybes about it. In that that, was, that was his best game, right? And that game, as you said, was an instant classic, double overtime. Notre Dame won that game. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a hard time envisioning that. Again, I will say, I do. the reason I played the under, I think Notre Dame will struggle mightily to get much going offensively. Obviously, when you play a low total under a 44-and-a-half, Matt, it's a situation where a couple turnovers and you're screwed, right? Yeah. You know, especially late in the game, you go for it on fourth down, whatever it may be. But the weather's supposed to be a little iffy. It's going to be windy, wind gusts around 30 miles per hour, which, as you know, Matt, that's what affects totals. And we've seen sure. the total really come down. 
uh, in a lot of shops. So, I've been in South Bend for a lot of those games where it's windy and cold. And uh, if, if you got those conditions Saturday, I think you have a good chance for a low-scoring game. Tim, I kind of feel like Notre Dame right now is a 5-3 and three team that's going to finish 7-5. and five, And you and your family are going to be in Shreveport for a bowl game no. in late December. Wow, no, we're hoping. Holiday Bowl. <laughs> Holiday Bowl. Holiday Bowl be great. Speak it into existence, I people. Will, uh, Holiday Bowl for the Irish. I'll, Seven and five, Holiday Bowl. I've already made my flight reservations, by the way, for the Holiday Bowl, I think December 28th. December Petco. 28th, Petco Park. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Notre Dame, Washington. Huh? That'd be yeah, good. Let's make it happen. All right, one more game for the main course. A top 25 showdown. Texas coming off a bye, Matt, facing Kansas State, who absolutely pummeled. Uh, Oklahoma State last week, 48 to nothing. And now the Purple Cats at home are a dog. Riddle me that, Batman. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one here because do you want to play Kansas State after its uh, A-plus game last week? Throws it. Chris Kleiman even said it. Uh, you know, we can't play any better. We can't possibly play any better than we did against Oklahoma State, 48 to nothing. That's one of the all-time eggs laid by any uh, college football team I've seen in the last 20 years, what Oklahoma State did last week. What happened, Tim? How many, <laughs> how many first downs did Oklahoma State have? You? 14. And uh, some of those were garbage time three, first downs, I think. Three turnovers, only 217 total yards for the Pokes. So They were almost as bad as the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> 24 nothing loss to, uh, <laughs> they did cross to the Saints. They did cross midfield before the final two minutes. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if Adrian Martinez is going to be back to start this game, but if it's Will Howard, I would be okay with that if you're playing K- Kansas State. Um, as far as Texas goes, I don't trust the Longhorns as a, even a small road favorites here. I, I was surprised at how bad Quinn Ewers looked in that loss at Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. So... Uh, th- this game's going to be a pass for me. And I think Kansas State, what's K-State's record right now? I think Six and two. And okay. they and, uh, what okay. is it, four and one in conference because one of their losses is to, to Tulane. I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret, but I need one more win from K-State to get over its season win total. It's a push for me right now. I actually played uh, Texas here. Um, okay. I, I think this may be, as you mentioned about Chris Kleiman, I think this is a buy low spot. Or sell high spot, I beg your pardon, on Kansas State. Texas coming off a bye. K-State just absolutely hammering Oklahoma State. Uh, they are at home, which is a tricky spot. I do normally like Chris Kleiman as a dog. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm going to take Texas here. I'm going to lay the under the field goal spot. Um, and uh, it, it just feels like you know a head-scratching line to some. Why Kansas State, fresh off of that win, being the higher-ranked team, would be sure. an underdog to Texas. Look, Texas has the capabilities, as we have seen, to blow games ugly. We saw against Oklahoma State, they should have won that game. Should have beat Texas Tech without Quinn Ewers. They did not win either one of those games. I'm not a huge Sark guy in-game. I think he's a great play designer. uh, But uh, I am going to roll with the Texas Longhorns coming off a bye here against Kansas State. Well, I wish you luck on that one. You know, I don't trust Sark I see a lot of things in him as a coach I don't like. I just don't trust. Off a of bye, I, I don't have more confidence in him. Like, Sark's going to have a great game plan. He's going to show up, and the Longhorns going to play their A game. For some reason, I just don't trust the guy. That's, uh, I, I have a I, lot of confidence. I, I go back to his days at USC. I know he was dealing with some demons there, but yeah. uh, I was not impressed with him at USC. You know, 
And uh, but we'll see. Uh, I will take Texas here, laying the short number on the road, which is always a a risky proposition. All right, Matt, let's get to it. Those spicy matchups. Spicy matchups. Everyone is angry, fired up, yelling because TCU undefeated is ranked behind Alabama in the first college football playoff. Can I rankings. say something here real quick? Please do. I, I've got a uh, a friend who hasn't. Uh, I guess I call him a friend. I hadn't heard from him in uh, like two months. And all of a sudden I get a text out of nowhere, the committee is screwing TCU. <laughs> are you serious? That's the first text you sent me in two months? Hey, as how a, are you? Good he, to hear right, from you. Right, he was looking for, I think, the first couple weeks of college football. He texted me looking for some plays, and I hadn't heard from him since. <laughs> and then a text out of nowhere comes in, angry about TCU. I said, dude, it does not matter one bit. It doesn't matter. Right, all this stuff's going to work itself out. That's a dog and pony show that ESPN produces to get a lot of people to watch it and talk about it. The committee, we know the committee is fixed anyway, but the first set of rankings do do not matter. I um, maybe you use it as a handicapping factor, saying, "Hey, the TCU team's going to be ticked off. They've been disrespected." You could go that way. I'm actually going the other way here. I, I think. I took nine and a half with Texas Tech. You're starting to see the market move uh, with uh, TCU. I'll, I'll actually say this, and, and maybe, you know, it was silly of me. When it was at nine and a half, I bought it to 10 at minus 120. I know, you know, it's a key number, but it's a shootout, so maybe it won't come into effect. But to, to your point about peace of mind, I'd have been so mad if it lands 48-38 TCU and I don't get the push. So I did earlier in the week. Uh, play TCU. Uh, I know our colleague Adam Burke wrote it up for the website as well. I, I think this is kind of a tricky spot. Now, I said this last week for TCU, and obviously, uh, for some reason, Max Dugan uh, wanted to call an audible at the line of scrimmage and uh, <laughs> kick me in the nuts because uh, that was fun. Uh, did you have West Virginia too? No, you know, I was on a flight to uh, San Diego when all that nonsense was happening the shenanigans at the end of the penn state game and the west virginia game Ugh. i almost played west virginia i held off i avoided that brutal beat i did i did play penn state i'm glad i wasn't watching it live because i would have uh, been furious i got off the plane i saw the final score i said okay cool whatever penn state covered then i looked at the the game cast the box <laughs> whatever on my phone i said you've got to be bleeping kidding me <laughs> That's how it happened. <laughs> Penn State led that game 21 to 16 with nine minutes to go. You're catching 15 and a half. Yeah, I had a buddy. You had to have a backdoor score to cover. I was wondering why I didn't get texts from you. I had a buddy saying, yeah. they're not going to cover. Watch it. It's going to happen. And uh, fortunately for the Penn State backers, right side the whole way, <laughs> didn't get there. Uh, on, uh, on Tuesday's podcast, Adam, who did lay it with TCU, you know, he tried to defend it. Well, you know, they were averaging nine yards per carry or yard. I'm like, whatever. They called an audible on fourth and one when the guy jumps off sides to throw a corner right, route. Like, right. you, you know, maybe karma is coming to get TCU. I don't know. Uh, but, I, you know, Texas Tech, they got, you know, their butt whipped last week. Uh, obviously, this is a road game, but it's, it's kind of that sleepy start time, which it was last week, and I said the same thing. Um, but I'm getting, you know, Texas Tech heading into this game. Uh, you know, they, they, they've been beat up pretty good uh, mm-hmm. the last week against Baylor. Yeah. Um, but I think Texas Tech is capable. Um, they've got a whole bunch of different quarterbacks they got to try to figure out there. Their defense is, is actually not that bad. And maybe this is a little bit of a look-ahead spot. TCU next week, Matt, 
goes to Austin, night game against Texas. Mm -hmm. You win that game, boy, you're in great spot shape to go to the Big 12 championship game in Sonny Dykes' first year. Um, and then you look at the last you know, handful of games, they, they should be in, in good shape here. So I, I, I like the Red Raiders to, to make it competitive. Uh, they have shown their ability to keep things close. They obviously beat Texas earlier this year. So I'm going to take the points here with Texas Tech against TCU. Okay. Uh, this is going to be a pass for me. Uh, you know, nobody is going to talk about this being a look-ahead spot for Texas this week with TCU coming to town on deck because I think when you come off a bye, you're never looking ahead two weeks, mm -hmm. right? You've been looking at your next opponent. And K-State is obviously a formidable opponent. So I don't think uh, this week's going to be a look-ahead spot for the Longhorns. Yeah, it's intriguing about that uh, TCU-Texas game too is Gary Patterson, who – Nothing. He wanted nothing more in life than to beat Texas when he was a TCU coach. He is now on the Texas staff, and TCU is coming to town. And how big is that game going to be next week? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, let's get to uh, another game in that noon window. Texas Tech-TCU, noon on Fox, noon on FS1. Mm -hmm. Iowa at Purdue. The Hawkeyes are the most fascinating team. Maybe not the most, but one of the most fascinating teams in all of all of the land because they are dominant defensively, but one of the worst offenses we have ever seen. So talk to me about Iowa at Purdue because I think you and I might be on the same side on this one. Look at this, Tim. There's a picture of Gary Patterson in a Texas hat. That just doesn't look <laughs> It right, looks like it? it's photoshopped on him. He's, a, he's an assistant to the uh, head coach at Texas, um, special assistant to Stark at Texas. All right, so – Iowa's been a favorite against Purdue 12 of the last 13 meetings, mm -hmm. and Purdue's beat uh, the Hawkeyes four of the last five. But the last two in West Lafayette decided by two points and four points. And I think what you're going to have here is just another tight game that goes to the wire because this Iowa defense right now leads the nation in yards per play, 3.9 yards per play. And uh, Purdue's going to, I think for the first time, run into a, uh, a defense that's going to have a lot of trouble moving the ball against uh, through the air. One thing I do like about the Boilermakers, they, they found this running back. I don't know if you've noticed. Devin Mockaby, mm -hmm. he was a walk-on. He looks like Mike Allstott reincarnated, and uh, he's really added a dimension to that offense because Jeff Brom's offenses typically have pretty poor rushing stats. But this Mockaby kid has stepped up and uh, – really been a force. He's taken over that lead running back role, so I think that makes their offense uh, more potent. But to me, it comes down to the Hawkeyes finally woke up on offense last week. I don't think it's necessarily that was a buy sign that they got 398 yards and 33 points against Northwestern. But you're taking a team here that's, been, like I said, favored in 12 of the last 13 meetings, and all of a sudden there's a five-point dog i got to take the points. And I think, uh, the, like I said, the, the Hawkeyes defense is going to be a tough matchup for that Purdue offense. Tim, you watched the Iowa-Ohio State game. I think uh, – score was misleading. Yeah, I thought the Hawkeyes defense did a really good job of controlling that Ohio State offense in that game too. So I want to say Purdue wins this one by a field goal, or it's a field goal game either way. Uh, give me a five with uh, Iowa. Well, you're, uh, you're on the right side because right now as we sit here, the market is moving – uh, to Iowa plus it, three or minus three and a half now for Purdue. Still a four out there 
Uh, but I know you gave this wow. one out earlier this week. But, yeah, I, I took four and a half earlier this week with the Hawkeyes, so I'm with you. Is it really down to yeah. – I, I even actually bet uh, Iowa plus five last night at Red Rock uh, Sportsbook it in is, Vegas. It, yeah, it's yeah. down to uh, three and a half pretty okay. much across the board where we sit, DraftKings, et cetera. So uh, money coming in on the Hawkeyes – uh, I don't know if it'll be nine to six like Iowa Illinois, uh, <laughs> like we got a couple weeks ago. That's one of the worst games I've ever seen. Cash just a ticket though, so I we, know. Got, we got I home know. on that one. Um, all right, a couple more quick hitters here in the spicy matchups: um, Kentucky and Missouri. Wow. Uh, Kentucky absolutely uh, beat up last week by uh, Tennessee. Really impressive performance, as we mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, by Tennessee. I- I'm intrigued by Missouri here. Um, you know, they, they are starting to, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's about a pick in some spots. Um, you know, earlier this week, I'm going to double check what number I got on uh, on Missouri. I uh, I took, oh, I took the money line at even money. Okay. Uh, so basically what it is right now. I, maybe not an official play, but I do like the Tigers here. I, they're really stout defensively. And a couple weeks ago, I thought that the performance that they had, Matt, against Georgia was was fool's gold, you know, you know, looking ahead. And maybe it was a little bit for Georgia. But I think week after week, we've kind of learned that Missouri's pretty darn good. We played Missouri. Did you play Missouri last week? I did not, but... Um, uh, I had Missouri plus the four against South Carolina. Smart play by you. Dominated yeah. them. And, uh, yeah, I, I maybe not an official play, but I, I personally will play Missouri here. I, I, coming off of a South Carolina game, but... I don't know. I'm curious what Kentucky's mindset is you know, after uh, getting be depressed. butt kicked by Tennessee. Got to be depressed. I, I think uh, the Wildcats went to um, they went to Knoxville thinking they had a great shot yeah. to pull off the upset, and I did too. You know, I talked last week about Will Levis. Is he going to be a top ten pick in the NFL draft? Chris Rodriguez, stud running back. Mark Stoops at defense. I thought Kentucky had all the elements it needs to pull off an upset like that. And at some point, can we stop? Touting Will Levis as a, as a yeah, potential ridiculous. number one pick ridiculous. in the NFL draft. I know he he was actually attracting money at some sports books to be the number one pick. You can't ignore the tape. You can't ignore the numbers. Uh, Tim, I was very disappointed in the way he played last week, and on the season he's got thirteen touchdowns and eight interceptions. Uh, so I don't know where the Wildcats' mindset's going to be after they got their heads caved in. Uh, by the volunteers last week, I, I would pass or play Missouri. All right, going back to I'm going to pass. Uh, going back to the Big Twelve, this is a play uh, that I got earlier in the week um, mm. at plus two and a half. Uh, thought I'd get the three. Uh, actually, if you were really aggressive, you could have got uh, a three and a half, and that's Kansas hosting Oklahoma State. Uh, not that long ago, Matt. Kansas was America's team. That's right. Everybody loved Kansas. How could you go against Kansas when I bet against them? Three consecutive weeks on this podcast <laughs> and on Visa.com. Um, and now nobody wants to talk about Kansas. Out of sight, out of mind. Uh, the last time we saw them, they lost to Baylor pretty comfortably. I believe officially, per the closing line, their only non-cover of the season. And then you've got Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, as we talked about earlier, got absolutely shellacked by Kansas State. I would have preferred them not to get their ass kicked by Kansas State for this spot. But Oklahoma State, Matt, talk about difference in um, rest. Oklahoma State had an early bye after non-conference, and they have now played five consecutive 
Big 12 games, Matt. These are their this is their stretch. Baylor on the road, Texas Tech at TCU, Texas at Kansas State, and now they're at Kansas. Kansas, on the other hand, is coming off a bye. Uh, there are reports that Jalen Daniels has been practicing this mm-hmm. week, could be back. I still don't mind it if Jason Bean is there. And the bigger news is that Spencer Sanders, according to reports, is not practicing this week. And if he doesn't go and the market kind of ten- is trying to, uh, trying to tell you something, Gunner Gundy, redshirt freshman, son of Mike Gundy, a no-star recruit, will start at quarterback for the Pokes <laughs> right. this week. I, I, um, I want to see that. And the last thing I'll say about this, Matt, and uh, I I look at teams with five wins, and I say, what game are they going to put it all in to try to get to that sixth win? And sure. look, bigger name teams, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, et cetera, they don't care about their sixth win. They're, they've got bigger aspirations. Kansas has not been to a bowl game since 2008. Right. And they are one win away. And if they lose this game, they've got a road game at Texas Tech. They've got a home game against Texas. They could be... Finish at K-State. They could go 5-7. and seven. Sure. I think this is the game off the bye. You're going to get everything from Kansas. I imagine you're going to get a good crowd there. Uh, give me Kansas. Uh, anything... Uh, I'll take it at a pick right now. I gave, you know, I took two and a half, but I think they win this game. I think it's a vital game for them. And if Gunner Gundy is the starting quarterback, I'll take my chances. Even though Kansas's defense has uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, Kansas, like you said, dropped three in a row. Needs one more win to be bowl eligible. I think the Jayhawks get it here. I think they get. I it hope here. so. It looks like the Cowboys are a mess. Uh, Whole lot of injuries, this, in addition to Spencer Sanders. Offensive right. line, Banged defensive up team, line. just yeah. got beat 48 to nothing. Uh, By the way, it, Oklahoma State. It looks like the coach's kid, who you said is a zero-star recruit. Zero-star recruit. Might be the starting quarterback. Oklahoma State, you know, you think about the addition that Ohio State got with Jim Knowles. Oklahoma State, Matt, is the worst defense in the Big 12, mm-hmm. statistically speaking. Now, Kansas is the second worst, so it's not like they're much better, but they're giving up 455 yards per game. So uh, I will take Kansas, motivated spot uh, against the Pokes here. A couple other games, curious your thoughts, uh, if anything. We do have a ranked matchup in uh, in the ACC. NC State, obviously no Devin Leary. It's been a, a disappointing year for them, and they're playing Wake Forest, who... I don't know if you caught that third quarter against yes. Louisville. 35-0? Uh, I had Louisville, and nice. uh, I was very happy about that. Uh, six turnovers in the third quarter alone, Matt. That's unbelievable. Eight in totality for, uh, for Wake Forest. Yeah. They're laying four on the road against NC State, and then your classic rivalry, FSU-Miami, has a seven-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the road team FSU laying seven and a half against Miami. Any thoughts on either one of well, these? Well, first, games? I can't play Wake after that eight turnover debacle last week. Man, that was unbelievable to see with that third quarter. And Sam Hartman's a really good quarterback. Yeah, that's one of the things that leave you uh, scratching your head. Also, you were scratching your head trying to figure out how the hell did Miami and Virginia play four overtimes in the games fourteen to twelve? <laughs> I no, think Miami didn't score a touchdown. I think last year, and this is really going to test my memory, I think Illinois beat Penn State in nine, eight or nine overtimes. Like 19, 20 to 18? 20 to 18. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's comical. 
how stuff like that could happen. Uh, how bad is Mario Cristobal? Not great. But Man. he can recruit. But he can well, recruit. I, I keep hearing recruit, that. He can recruit. recruit, recruit. He can recruit, but he, he doesn't win. Anyone in Eugene uh, crying over his no, departure they're, right they're now? They're happy he's gone. And you can see the difference in this uh, Ducks team without him. I want to play Florida State here, Tim, but the number's too much. Simply put, I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about it. I can't lay seven and a half. I was hoping to lay a cheaper number. All right, let's, uh, let's bring back a segment we haven't done in a couple weeks. Let's get to a little Big Boys with Big Spreads. Big Boys with Big Spreads. I guess Utah would be a big boy. I don't know. They're top 15 in the country. Went to the Rose Bowl last year. Uh, they are at home. A night game. Uh, I guess it's a mid-afternoon game. 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 uh, Pacific. No one will watch it because it's on uh, the Pac-12 network. Arizona visiting Utah and uh, the Wildcats, a team that you have played on a bunch this Not year, too Matt. Too much, too much. Is catching 17 and a half against the Utes. Even ended up taking the points with Arizona against USC last week, and that was one of the, the Wildcats' better efforts, I thought, uh, to hang in that game with the Trojans. Had 500-plus yards of offense. And they're going to give up 500 on defense, too. That's uh, one of the problems with Arizona, but Maybe catch Utah in a little bit of a sleepy spot here, Tim, uh, because Cameron Rising did not play in the previous game. He is going to come back. It looks like uh, Rising's going to start for the Utes, a quarterback in this one, uh, but he's got a sleeve on his left knee, and a big part of his game is running the ball. And I don't think you're going to see Rising running the ball much in this game with his knee issue. Also, the Utes know they can win this game. they got bigger fish to fry down the road. Uh, you can win this game, move on. Uh, you don't have to beat Arizona uh, by 30 points here. And I, I don't, another concern, I think, with Utah is going to be uh, their tight ends out now. Mm-hmm. They're down to, I think, Kincaid. the third-string third, third string tight end. Uh, a little bit beat up on offense. They were kind of fortunate to escape on the road last week. And this is a much bigger game for Arizona. I think the Wildcats are going to come in here fired up. I think the Utes are going to be maybe looking past this team a little bit. Kind of a sleepy spot for the home favorite. I took 18 with Arizona. Yeah, last week, uh, one of those, uh, maybe maybe that's why TCU covered against uh, West Virginia, because I had Washington State on Friday night, and uh, I, I had the plus seven and a half, and I get the alert, Cam Rising's not playing? I'm like, wow, I never get lucky with injury and news like that. So uh, we, were, uh, we were fortunate with that. Uh, Brant Keithy uh, has been the, uh, I believe that's the tight end that's been out. Uh, for a while. Dalton Kincaid is, is I think sensational. Is Kincaid hurt too? I think he's hurt too. Oh, so boy. I think Utah's down to their uh, third tight end. Now. All right. Well, while you uh, while you look that up, uh, can I interest you in some Rutgers? Huh? Sure. Plus 26 and a half at home. Michigan coming not off a last ri- week. Coming off a rivalry <laughs> game. <laughs> no, not last week. <laughs> Maybe that's why it makes it that much uh, hold on to your uh, this is a hold on to your butt special. Shut out last week against Minnesota. And now you're playing Michigan. You're catching 26 and a half at home. Now, I want to bring something up. Rutgers beat Indiana 24 to 17 as a three-point favorite. Indiana was a 23-point underdog at home against Michigan. You and I both had the Hoosiers uh, and uh, never in doubt, 31 to 10, even though I think it was 10 to 10 there. So I'm just playing the numbers here. I think it's a little bit of a sleepy spot for Michigan Coming off of what back-to-back games against Penn State, sure. rival Michigan State. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're juiced up after you know the melee that happened uh, to one of their teammates there, and then the locker room there. But uh, I, 
Chiano night game, 26 and a half. I'm going to take the points with the Scarlet Knights here and, uh, you know, wish for the best. I'm going to uh, pass on this one, but I think in terms of a spot play, I agree with what you're looking at here with Rutgers. All right, let's run through a couple other big games. Uh, oh, by the way, just to clear that up, Dalton Kincaid did leave the game last week, late in the game uh, for Utah, the tight end, mm-hmm. and did not return. His status is day-to-day, but it looks like uh, it looks like he's doubtful to play this oh, week. That, is, that would be a big uh, big loss for this game. Uh, they're, they're gearing up for everything on November 19th right. when they uh, take on Oregon for a chance to go to the Pac-12 championship. Ohio State. I'm just going to run through these. If you have anything, we'll, we'll hit on it at the end. Ohio State laying 38 against Northwestern on the road. Could be windy there in, uh, in Chicago on, uh, on Saturday. Oregon taking on the mighty Mike Pritchards of Colorado. They are a 31-point road favorite. Penn State on the road at Indiana. A lot of road chalk here. 14 points are the Nittany Lions laying there against Indiana. Uh, Illinois, never thought I'd see the day for this, Matt. Illinois is laying 17 mm-hmm. at home against Michigan State. And then USC, to wrap up, big boys with big spreads here. Uh, USC is laying 22 against Cal. All right, I'll go through those quickly. I was uh, talking with Doug Kazarian, our buddy from ESPN the bully. last night. The betting bully sounds like he's going to lay the points with the Buckeyes. Against the Purple Cats, and uh, that one, I think uh, Tim, it was discouraging to watch Northwestern get beat down so badly by Iowa last week, and that, that's definitely caused this number to go up a little bit. Uh, not too many people going to run to the window to bet Northwestern after you get blown out by Iowa. Uh, as far as uh, the Oregon-Colorado game, that's a pass. Penn State-Indiana, I would like to play the home dog, but the Hoosiers just lost Cam Camper. Uh, maybe their best wide receiver. But I think that spot is a good one for the Hoosiers. Off the Ohio State. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, considering playing the Hoosiers on the points and that one. And, uh, you know, with Michigan State's suspensions and everything that's uh, happened since the uh, Michigan game last week, how many points do you think it's caused? What, what's that number without Michigan State's disciplinary issues and all the players who are missing would the number be 11 and a half would it be 13 i mean you've seen it rise all week it opened 10 uh at circa and then jumped so it's it's moved a touchdown so yeah you're probably it seems still seems like too big of a number but the spartans tough team to get behind uh, now, and what was the last And one? Cal USC, north of three touchdowns. Now I'm going to pass because last week you and I talked about Cal uh, yep. catching 17 against Oregon and lost by 18 Lost by 18, and Jack Plummer just doesn't have it. I, I don't think Cal's good enough at the quarterback position uh, to bet. All right, let's wrap up the podcast with uh, some more plays via Off the Radar. Off the Radar. All right, a game that you have. Let's go to Stark Vegas. Cadillac Williams mm-hmm. comes riding into town, takes over for Brian Harson. The, fa- the following, not fading, the following the freshly Coaching fired teams. Does that make sense? Teams <laughs> that have coaches who just got fired has actually been a pretty profitable experience right. so far this year outside of Nebraska in their first game with my, uh, Mickey Joseph there against Oklahoma. So Auburn is in Stark Vegas. New coach. It is Cadillac Williams. And the number is 13 uh, in favor of Mississippi State here. Yeah, in fact, I took uh, 14 with Auburn this week. Robbie Ashford, the freshman quarterback, is a kid I like. I think he's got a bright future. 
285 passing yards, 87 rushing yards last week. Tank Bigsby, one of the top running backs in the SEC. And I think this team is really going to be energized by Cadillac Williams taking over. And this whole Brian Harson debacle being in the, in the past, it's in the rearview mirror. And I, I think it's kind of like a, a monkey off the back of uh, the Auburn team because from the from the day Brian Harson was hired, didn't it seem like a bad fit? It made no I, sense. I, I, I could no not sense. figure it out. I said, "This you got to be kidding me. That's a terrible hire. The whole thing with uh, Brian Harson's been a debacle, and I think Auburn moving on is the best thing that could happen to this team this week and to this program uh, going forward. And uh, I kind of like the I kind of like the Auburn side here catching two touchdowns. Also, on the other side, I think Mississippi State's going the wrong direction. This is a team that's uh, lost two in a row and scored a total of only 23 points in the last two games, Tim, against uh, Kentucky and Alabama. So it's not like uh, Mike Leach's team is, uh, is uh, in any sort of offensive rhythm right now. So I think it's probably a good time to uh, play Auburn. All right. Uh, I'm going a, I'm to a play a game here. The line seems suspiciously short. 25th ranked UCF at Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, 3.30 Eastern kickoff, ESPN2. This is what they would call a sandwich spot. UCF just beat Cincinnati. Next week, they go to Tulane for an opportunity, really, to uh, play for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, And now, this week, UCF has to go to Central Florida. Central Florida has not really, or excuse me, Memphis has to go to Memphis. Uh, Memphis has not been very good this year. But they always seem, Matt, in these spots to play better than anticipated. Um, you know, I was talking to some folks in Memphis. They're they're curious about their head coach, and you know, is the team still buying in? Look, they've lost three straight. Uh, they got beat up pretty good uh, by Tulane, I believe that was uh, two weeks ago. So they're coming off a bye. Um, but that game against Tulane, they were down, I think, twenty eight nothing. They came back and they had a chance to to cover. So. Uh, they got a pretty good quarterback, Seth Hennigan. He can throw it around. John Reese Plumley is day-to-day. I believe he left uh, last week with a concussion. Mikey Keene's okay, uh, the backup there for UCF. But I think this is a tricky spot for the Golden Knights. Um, I think this is a letdown spot. And uh, I'm going to take three and a half with Memphis here on the uh, at home against UCF. I agree with you. I think Memphis, I don't have this as a play right now, but I've been considering Memphis this week. By the way, do you think Auburn fans – should have appreciated Gus Malzahn more. The Maybe. success he had against Nick Saban, the record he had at Auburn, I, I always felt like he was underappreciated. There. I was, uh, there was a, someone, maybe it was Reddit college football or someone tweeted out, you know, Auburn should really look at an up-and-coming group of five head coach. <laughs> UCF coach. Maybe yeah. this UCF coach will work out well. The guy well who's got a good record against Nick Saban. Well, yeah. you know, we've talked about all the big games of the weekend, the great atmospheres, whether it be in Athens, when Death Valley, South Bend. I think... The atmosphere in Palo Alto is going to be top-notch. 12.30 local kickoff, Pac-12 network. Uh, About as many people will be watching this on television as they are in the stands. Washington State at Stanford. What do you got here for us? Uh, Stanford right now, looking at the market as we record, is catching five at the South Point, four and a half everywhere else. Yeah, Stanford Steve's going to be laughing if he hears this because I, I think he hates this Cardinal team. 
Except uh, for they beat Notre Dame, of course. But yes, for the last couple of years, Stanford actually beat Notre Dame and Arizona State back to back by scoring 16 and 15 points. Didn't kick a touchdown or field goal or didn't score a touchdown against Arizona State. You know, it's um, it's interesting when you watch Stanford. David Shaw lacks so much imagination on the offensive uh, on the offensive end in terms of his play calling. Last week, Stanford had a first and goal at the six yard line. And Tim, they lined up in a tight formation and ran the ball up the middle on first down for one yard. On second down, they lined up in a tight formation and ran the ball up the middle for no gain. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> David Shaw has no clue. I can't stand I can't stand the guy's play calling. Uh, but he's got a pretty good tw- quarterback here in Tanner McKee, and the Stanford defense played a lot better, especially against the pass. Now, last week, UCLA ran for 324 yards and 7.2 per carry. But Washington State's not going to do that. The Cougars can't run the ball. Cameron Ward is everything to that offense right now. He passed for 222 yards and ran for 28 last week. The rest of the the team combined for 14 yards rushing. It's, It's all Cam Ward. They can't run the ball. Washington State's lost three in a row and scored a total of 41 points in those games. I think the Cardinals are going to be live here. I played Stanford plus five, and uh, I'll probably at some point be very frustrated with David Shaw while I'm watching this game, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll give you one more, and then I have a question for Matt on one other game. Uh, I'm taking the points with James Madison, uh, plus the seven and a half. They're on the road at Louisville. You know me. I love letdown spots. Louisville last week beat top 10 Wake Forest. We mentioned that already. Eight turnovers forced. How about this? Louisville has forced 24 turnovers this year. Is that impressive? Is that lucky? Is that both? Eight of those last week. Yeah, eight of those last week. Six of those. One-fourth of their turnovers came in (laughs) in a 15-minute quarter. Um, Louisville, early on in the year, Matt, started 0-3 in the ACC, ready to fire Scott Satterfield. And here they are. They're 5-3. They've won three in a row. On deck for Louisville is Clemson. They just beat a top 10 team, and now you've got to face a team from the Sun Belt in James Madison. Mm-hmm. The biggest key for me in this game is, is Todd Centeno, the James Madison quarterback, playing? From all accounts, it looks like he's been practicing this week. He's dealing with an oblique injury that kept him out of the Marshall game. In that Marshall game, James Madison's defense or offense was completely worthless. 247 yards. How about this, Matt? Oh, for 17 on third downs. Oh, How do you do that? I don't know. 0 for 17 on third downs. Uh, Billy Atkins, I'm sure he's a, a great young man. I don't know if he's a very good quarterback. We need Todd Centeno, who's top 10 in the country in passing efficiency. James Madison, I think we've mentioned on this podcast before, for some reason, Matt, is not allowed to go to a bowl game this year. Yeah. So I think this is their bowl game. They get to go on the road to a Power 5 team in Louisville. I think they'll be up for the task. James Madison coming off a bye, Louisville coming off a top 10 win. Uh, I'm going to take the seven and a half with James Madison here against Louisville on uh, on Saturday night. Yeah. So, uh, very thorough analysis on your part. Remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Packers being 0 for 6 on third down yeah. against Washington? Yeah. 0 for 6. This team was 0 for 0 17. 17. Final one for you, Matt, <laughs> that I, I was curious okay. about the dog, and uh, you know this team pretty well. Uh-huh. UNLV coming yes, off a bye, 
at San Diego that, State. Did you watch the San Diego State Fresno State game last week? Oh boy, that's tough. If you had the, the money line on the money line, oh, gut wrenching. Two <laughs> touchdowns in thirteen seconds. Are you kidding me? Two touchdowns in thirteen. You know that's a, the thing about that too is we had good information that Jake Hayner was coming back to play in that game. But it didn't matter because if you laid the points for Fresno, that was the wrong side. Total wrong side. The difference Jake Hayner made in that game was with the total. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I I think Friday morning the total was 42, and that game flew over the total, obviously. I tell you what, next Friday night, Jake Hayner comes to Vegas. I'm going to go to that game. I want to see Jake Hayner. I like him. He's he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I love. Well, by the way, you're going to have a pretty good quarterback matchup, assuming Doug Brumfield stays healthy, because he's going to be back for the Rebels. And uh, this team, the wheels fell off when Doug Brumfield went to the sideline with an injury. Now that he's back, I think uh, you're going to see a different UNLV team. But I wanted to get seven here, Tim. I don't think seven's out there anymore, right? It's six and a half across the board. And that's what I was going to ask. I want seven too. I might. I'll I'll probably play this game. I'll buy the half point. Uh, UNLV uh, still has two very winnable games to get to six wins. Hawaii on the road, uh, and then UNL or Nevada, Nevada. I should say, yeah. uh, too. But uh, I, I, do you think they're live here against San Diego State? I think State? they're live. I think the Aztecs are probably going to find a way to win the game. You know, it's one of those games where San Diego State's a little bit better defensively and I think probably wins this game by a field goal. But the reason you've seen this number come down in the market is I did do think there's a little point spread value with the Rebels. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up, Matt, with our best bet recap. Best bet recap. All right, Matt. I don't know if we're doing first class or coach. What no, we're doing this week. It's all the same. Fire away, sir. I don't have any plays I love this week. But I'm going to go with uh, Tennessee plus eight and a half. Like I said, I'm buying insurance with Georgia money line parlays. I'm going with uh, Auburn. I took 14 with Auburn. Is that is 14 still available anywhere? Uh, I think 13 was the best I saw. Okay. Auburn is uh, 13. Stanford plus 5. Arizona plus 18. Iowa, I took 5. Uh, I'm playing Clemson. Give me Clemson money line 10 because I just don't want to lay more than 3. And I'm going to split... A unit here on uh, LSU plus the points, trying to get 14. If it doesn't pop up, you can put me down for 13 and a half yep. and over the total of 58. All right. So that's a half unit on each of those. Half unit on each of those. All right. That is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven total. Half units. as many plays as last week. I know. Yeah. Uh, eight and six last week. I actually ended up betting, I think, 18 games last week. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Not going to be that deep a card this week. I'm going to tell you, uh, I played Iowa as well, so uh, an agreement on that one. Uh, Give me Memphis plus the three and a half against UCF. Uh, Give me Texas Tech. I played 10. I bought it up to 10, uh, but on this show right now, it's only at nine. Uh, I'll still take Texas Tech. I think you might see a little liveliness there uh, from Texas Tech, so officially plus nine. Um, Texas minus two and a half. Uh, Maybe a, a sell high spot on Kansas State. Kansas, uh, money line that. Uh, if, the, if you can get it, even money, money line, go for it. James Madison, plus seven and a half. And I'll take the under 44 and a half in Notre Dame, Clemson. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays for me. I do like Missouri. Probably will play it personally, but uh, not going to be an official play here on the podcast. All right, Mr. Humans, that's going to do it. You are that many more days closer to uh, your trip to Maui. 
at Matt Humans hey, 247 on Twitter. College hoop season right around the corner, Starts Tim. Starts on Monday. We have the VSIN College Basketball Betting Guide coming out, and I think I've worked about 50 hours on that this week. So, yeah, I got to finish yeah. up the Big East. Uh, I got to do that. So I got to make the bosses happy. You got to get on that. Uh, once again, rate, review, subscribe if you're still listening. Hopefully, you still are. Let's get some winners, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week right here on the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast.